Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. He said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. You get the feeling that Phil was there in the tabernacle when that uh, was going on? Wow. I had practice. I read it at the first <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Phil. Also, I don't know if you noticed, uh, after uh, Samuel had that vision... Uh, and after he, God spoke to him, it says he got, you know, when the day broke, he opened the house, the doors of the house of the Lord. He opened the doors. It, it was almost like 
that made all the difference in the world. He was going to open the doors. So I just thought that was interesting. Let, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Lord, we pray that you would open the doors of our hearts and our minds. Help us to see in this story, this ancient story of Samuel, a message for our living today. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Hannah was the mother of Samuel, and Hannah was barren, and she was distraught over this. Uh, By the time we learn of Hannah, she's perhaps, well, she's past childbearing age, perhaps as much as 60 years of age. And she really has kind of almost lost all hope of having a child. Now, what's made it worse for her is that she is one of two wives of Elkanah. And the other wife of Elkanah has a bunch of children. And she kind of taunts Hannah. (laughs) Look how God has blessed me. But look at you. (laughs) Uh, God hasn't opened your womb, (laughs) but... Uh, God has blessed me richly. That just added the pain, added to the pain that that Hannah was experiencing. She was heartbroken. Uh, In fact, the scriptures uh, describe the other wife of Elkanah as Hannah's rival. (laughs) So clearly there was almost this competition among the two wives of Elkanah. Well, finally, Hannah reaches this point in her life where she really doesn't know where else to turn, so she turns to God, and she decides to make a vow with God, a little little contract with God. She says, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. Wow, those are powerful words, yeah. Well, sure enough, God blessed Hannah with a son. And Hannah, because of that, named her son Samuel, which means literally heard by God. In other words, Hannah felt that her prayer had been heard by God. And now she was willing to give up her only child uh, in return for that, that blessing, that gift. And so when... Little Samuel, the little baby, when he was weaned from his mother, she went to the tabernacle and turned him over to Eli, who was the priest at that time. And that's where Samuel was when we get to our scripture lesson this morning. He was in the tabernacle. Now he's been there as many as 12 years, perhaps, since his birth. And he is lying down asleep in the tabernacle, where he does his chores uh, working with the priest Eli. Now, I believe that just as God called Samuel during the night, I believe that God calls to you and me. I believe that firmly. The biggest problem we have is we don't often hear the voice of God calling to us, much like uh, Samuel did not hear at first that it was God. Uh, So I wanted to pull out just a few lessons from this story that might be beneficial to us today. There are probably more than this, but I'm just going to give you three, three lessons that can be learned. Number one, God often calls in the night. 
Now, when God called Samuel, the sun had gone down and it was dark in a very physical sense. Okay, the sun was gone. It was dark. He was inside the ta- the tabernacle was the precursor to the temple. It was that it was that tent uh, encampment uh, that held the ark of the covenant, and it moved with the people. It it represented the very presence of God. And so there he was inside this tent, this tabernacle, and he was sleeping. It was night. It was dark. But that almost becomes a metaphor for what was going on in the land. There was a greater darkness at stake than just the physical darkness of the night. In verse 1, the scriptures tell us the word of the Lord was rare in those days. In, in other words, God didn't seem to be speaking to many people. The word of God just was rare. You just hardly ever heard it. Where was it? Where was God? What was God saying to the people as they traveled through through the wilderness, as they as they traveled through land? What what was what was God saying? The word was rare. There was a kind of darkness across the land. Also in verse 1, the writer says visions were not widespread. And in our earlier service uh, when I asked the children how does God speak, one of the one of the children said, "Well, God speaks through dreams." That sometimes, you know, we have a dream and God speaks to us. And the Bible is full of experiences of people who had visions or dreams where God spoke to them. Well, what is being said here is that visions were not widespread. Not many people were doing much dreaming or visioning, uh, whether it be in the day or at night. There just weren't many visions. And then on top of that, in verse 2, the scriptures tell us that Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. It was almost a, that his physical lack of ability to see almost was a metaphor for his own life. If you recall, as God spoke to Samuel, Eli really wasn't living up to his responsibility as a father and as a priest at the tabernacle. And that's why God was going to punish him. And that's why Samuel was going to take over. God kind of had it with Eli for the kind of life that he and his family had been living his eyesight had grown grown dim. In other words, he wasn't able to see like he could perhaps when he was a younger man and perhaps more faithful to God. And then finally, in verse 7, the scriptures tell us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Remember, it was Hannah who handed him over as an infant to Eli. It was Hannah who had this understanding that this agreement, if you will, with God, that Samuel was going to grow up as a Nazarite. It wasn't Samuel who made that decision. And so here he had been for these 12 years helping out Eli, but kind of maybe just going through the motions, you know, cleaning the utensils the, after the sacrifices, making sure all the blood was, uh, you know, uh, cleaned up and, and, you know, making sure the doors were open, making sure that people were welcome. I mean, he was going through the motions, but according to the Bible, he did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So in a way, he was living in a darkness, in a spiritual darkness in his own life. So you see, it wasn't just that God was speaking at nighttime, but God was speaking in the darkness of the land and in the darkness of this boy's life. No wonder Samuel didn't realize that it was God who was calling him those three times, then finally the fourth time when he listened. 
Because you see, Samuel was living in the dark. Well, he's not the only person who's ever lived in darkness when God came to them. Take, for instance, uh, Jacob. Remember the story of Jacob? Jacob was a twin, but he was born moments after his twin brother Esau. And so he was considered the younger son. And so the older son, Esau, had all the benefits of the oldest son. One of them was a birthright, the birthright to much of the land and property of their father. Well, Esau was a hunter. Jacob was one who liked to stay in the tents and cook, and, you know, he was more of a homebody. Well, Esau one day came in from the hunt, and he was, he was hungry, and, and he saw Jacob kind of stirring a pot of stew, and, and uh, Esau said, I'm famished. Give me some of that stew. And Jacob said, no, 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 this is for me. Uh, however, if you're really that hungry, I'll, I'll give you some, but there's a little price you're going to have to pay, a little small price. Uh, you're going to have to give me your birthright. Well, Esau said, sure, yeah, what do I need for that? You know, here's my birthright. Give me the stew. And then later, when their father Isaac became old and his eyesight was dim, uh, Jacob kind of, well, he tricked his father into thinking that he was Esau, his older brother, and, and he received the blessing that was reserved for the eldest son. And so Jacob then for the second time, tricked his, his son, stole something that didn't belong to him. Well, Esau wasn't too happy about that, and he vowed as soon as their father died, he was going to kill Jacob. And so Jacob fled in the night. Well, he makes his way to, uh, to the land of his uncle Laban, and there he gets married and is there for, oh, a dozen or more years. And then he continues his grabbing ways. You see, Jacob, the name Jacob means grabber. And he was grabbing from the very moment he was born, from the very moment he was in that womb, he was grabbing at the heels of his brother. And now he was grabbing more with his uncle Laban. And so he had to run from his uncle and his brothers-in-law. And he was making his way back and he got to the river Jabbok. And then he heard word that his brother Esau was coming to him with an army. So here he was, stuck between a rock and a hard place, between Laban and between Laban and, and, uh, and Esau. And there in the river Jabbok, in the middle, middle of the night, a stranger appeared and began wrestling with him. And he wrestled through the night. Some, some scholars say it was an angel. Others say, well, it was just a stranger, as it says in the scriptures. But Jacob knew who it really was. It was God who was wrestling with him. God had come to him in the middle of the night. Well, eventually, when the day broke and Esau came, he came with open arms and there was reconciliation between the brothers. But you see, God was speaking to him when in the middle of the night, in perhaps the most darkest point in his life, when, when really he saw no way out, much like God perhaps spoke to Hannah when she saw no other way out, when she had no child. Just as Samuel was in the tabernacle in the darkness of the night, so God came to Jacob and the others as well. You know who John Wesley is, the father of Methodism. Well, he had his heartwarming experience when he had to flee Georgia. He had gone to Georgia as a missionary to, to bring Christ to the Native Americans in Georgia. Uh, he got into a relationship with the governor's daughter that didn't go too well. And so he ended up excommunicating her from communion. 
Well, the governor wasn't too happy about that and had made plans to arrest John Wesley, and so he took off in the middle of the night, grabbed a, a ship, and left back for home to England. He was in a dark place in his life. And on the voyage across the Atlantic Ocean, a storm came up, and he was certain that the ship was going to flounder and, and they would sink. But yet, in the middle of that night, the Moravians, they sang hymns, and they, they showed faith that he didn't have at that moment. When he got back to England, he, he uh, went uh, to, a, to a, a Bible study, if you will, on Aldersgate Street, and that's where he had his heartwarming experience. God had been working on him through all these nighttime experiences, and that's what made all the difference. God spoke to John Wesley and we are the beneficiaries of that speech. If you're living through a dark period in your own life, then maybe this is the time you need to listen very carefully because that's often when God speaks. God calls us by name sometimes in the darkest places of our living. Another lesson we can learn from Samuel's um, call is that others can help us here. Remember, it was Eli who tells him that it is God who was speaking to him. After three times, Samuel was not about to hear that it was God until Eli told him, no, it's not me, but it just may be God. So the next time the voice comes and calls you by name, then I want you to say, you know, speak your servant is listening. And that's exactly what Samuel did. If it hadn't been for Eli, I wonder, would Samuel have ever heard God again? Would he have ever recognized that it was God who was speaking to him? Sometimes you see, we need someone to help us in that way. Others can help us hear better. Sometimes our ears don't work. Our hearts don't work. Moses needed Aaron and her to help him when he was in battle with uh, Amalek. Amalek had his army and Moses had his and they were fighting each other. And whenever he could raise his arms and hold that rod that he used to part the Red Sea, whenever he could keep his hands up in the air like that, the Israelites did well in battle. But whenever his arms started to fade and he started to lower them because it became too long a battle, that's when Amalek would, would see victory. Well, so Aaron and her, they came and they lifted his arms and held them high until finally Amalek was defeated in battle. Moses needed Aaron and her. And when it became clear that Moses, as great a man that he was, could not make all the decisions and deal with all the judging responsibilities of a leader of the Israelites, he needed his father-in-law to come to him. Jethro came and said, Moses, what you are doing is not good. Those may have been hard words for Moses to hear, but he needed to hear what Jethro was telling him. Jethro was saying, you cannot continue this way. You've got to delegate. You've got to have some other people. You can make the big decisions, but you need some other judges to help you as you lead your people. You see, sometimes we need someone else to speak the words of God to us. Sometimes we need a kind of intervention, don't we? You know, other people telling us the truth about our own lives, maybe where we've overextended or maybe where we haven't extended ourselves enough. We need someone that we can trust who speaks to us. And often it is through these people who care about us and love us. 
that God speaks to us. When victorious generals returned to Rome, the story is told that they would often enter the city on their, in their chariots with their armies behind them and all the spoils and sometimes the, the slaves that they, have, that they have made of the people they have conquered. And as they enter the city in this glorious, triumphant entry, there is a slave that is put in the chariot next to the general. And some people say, well, it was really more like an angel that you see in, in this uh, in this slide, who whispers in the ear of the victorious general, remember, you are mortal. Remember, you, you might be tempted to think you're a god. You might be tempted that you can do everything and you can do it all by yourself. But here this slave just whispers in the ear, remember, you're mortal. You're not, you're not any better than anyone else. You have come from dust and you will return to dust. We all need someone to whisper the truth in our ears, do we not? And that is often how God speaks to us through others. Others can help us hear. Finally, the third lesson that I'd like to offer from Samuel's call is that age doesn't matter. Age simply doesn't matter. Samuel was only maybe 12 years of age when, when he was called by God in, in that tabernacle. Abraham was 75 years old when God told him to leave his, his homeland behind of Haran and to go where God would lead him, 75. And Sarah, his wife, was 90 years old when she gave birth to her first son, Isaac. Remember David, the greatest of the kings of Israel? David was probably 12 years of age when when he was called upon to do battle with the giant Goliath with nothing more than a sling shot and some rocks and his faith in God. Twelve years at the most, maybe as young as ten. And when Paul wrote to his comrade in arms, his, his, uh, his fellow missionary, Timothy, he makes it very clear that Timothy was young, young enough that perhaps others would complain about his youth. And so he was reminding him in his letter to Timothy that he is not to be embarrassed by his youthfulness. And Hannah, Hannah was no spring chicken when she gave birth to Samuel. You see, God is saying that age simply doesn't matter. When Samuel was called upon to select a king, this is later in Samuel's ministry as a, as a priest of God. When he was called upon to select a king to replace King Saul, he went to a man named Jesse who had eight sons. And he called on Jesse to bring his sons all out and he wanted to examine each one to see who God wanted to select to be the next king. And he went down the list and, and he came to number seven and he said, where's the eighth? Where, I thought you had another son. Where is he? And Jesse said, well, he's, a, he's, a young, he's the youngest of them all. He's nothing to, to speak of. He, he's out watching the sheep. And Samuel said, you call him. And so Jesse called David to come and it was David whom God selected to be the king to follow King Saul. Samuel anointed him as a, 
as a young boy, and later he would become king. Samuel said, The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You see, to God, age doesn't matter. So what can we learn from the story of God calling Samuel? The three lessons are God often calls in the night. Others can help us hear, and age doesn't matter. My question to you is, is God calling you? What do you hear? If things aren't going perfectly right now, if you feel like you're living in a kind of a dark place in your life, then maybe this is the time to listen because maybe this is precisely when God will speak. And if people are telling you things you need to hear, maybe that you ought to become an elder or you ought to, you know, you ought to become a doctor or, or you, ought to, you ought to use that talent you have in music or art. You know, if, God, if, if people are saying things like to you, then listen because God may be speaking through them. And finally... If you feel too young or too old, well, put that out of your mind because God can use you no matter what your age is. Listen carefully. God just may be speaking to you. Let us pray. Lord, speak to us and help us hear. Amen.